Good morning. My name is Bruce Dreisbach, and I am honored to be able to be with you this morning to share about telling your story of faith. Many of you know that over the past year, I have been working with folks at Third Press and at Pump to help them learn how to become an effective witness. But let me put the topic in a biblical perspective before we begin. In John 15, this is the passage where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus teaches that fruitful followers show they are Jesus' disciples and they bring glory to God. And he calls us to produce fruit, fruit that will last in that passage. In Matthew 28, Jesus indicates the fruit that lasts is converts and disciples. God's goal for us as believers is that we would be fruitful. Witnessing and evangelism are two words that we use in the American church as synonyms. We use them as if they were one and the same. So we talk about our witness, we talk about evangelism, we think it's all one topic. Well, actually, biblically, it couldn't be further from the truth. Biblically, witnessing and evangelism are 180 degrees apart. They're both ways that God's people can use to reach the lost. But they're very different in their substance and their methodology and in the timing and in the people that they influence. Every believer is called to be a witness. In 1 Peter 3.15, we read that we need to be able to give an answer to anyone who asks us about the hope that we have in our life. And that's the heart and soul of being a witness, which is what we're going to learn about this morning in our time together. Ephesians 4 describes evangelism as a spiritual gift. The other gift passages explain how spiritual gifts work. But the essence is, if you don't have the spiritual gift, whatever it is, you can't use those methodologies. And 9 out of 10 believers in America do not have the gift of evangelism. So we're all called to be witnesses, but only a few of us are called to be evangelists. We've been teaching members at Third and at Pump how to become a witness. That's the side that we've been focusing on. And you know, the good news is 80% of adult converts in America today come to faith through witnessing, not through evangelism. There are four major components to becoming a witness. Let me just cover those briefly. The first is to learn to pray effectively. When we understand how to pray into our friend's life, we can release the power of God into their life to help them come to faith. The second thing we need to do is we need to build relationships that are loving relationships, that are a safe environment to talk about spiritual issues. Not critical, not judgmental, not argumentative, but loving, safe, environments that build trust. The third step of being a witness is learning how to share answers. People won't understand the gospel, won't understand what God offers through Jesus unless we're able to explain it to them in our own words. And that's the piece that we're going to look at this morning. The fourth component of being a witness is to understand God's part in the process and to let God do his part. God does all the heavy lifting in the process of conversion. 
Jesus said the Holy Spirit's job is to convict, to convince, and to convert. Our job is to love and encourage our friends until they finally connect the dots and meet Jesus. So those are the four elements of being a witness. Today we want to teach you how to tell your story of faith. This is different than your testimony. They're, they're, they're related, but it's, it's a little bit different. And telling your story of faith is a key tool in being able to share answers with those who are seeking or are asking spiritual questions. This class is composed of six teaching sessions, one of which has to do with learning to give answers about our faith. And that's the piece that we're going to look at this morning. There are three major components. One, how do you initiate a spiritual conversation? Two, sharing your story of faith. And three, sharing the gospel. So this morning we're just going to cover one of the three topics that are covered in that class, which is one of six classes. Now the witness training curriculum consists of about 28 discrete insights, principles, or tools that we help you learn so that you can be an effective witness. Today, we're just covering one of them. So I think it's important to understand there is more to being a witness than telling your story. Much more. But being able to tell your story of faith comfortably, effectively, and in five minutes or less is a wonderful tool to have in your personal toolkit. Here's why. It's the way that we can always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give you the reason for the hope that you have. What we're called to do as believers in 1 Peter 3 can be fulfilled by being able to tell your story of faith, learning how to do that, practicing it, getting comfortable with it, and having it at hand, in your heart, in your mind, on your lips, so that you can share it at any point in time. There's a second reason why this tool is important. Experience shows when you're prepared to tell your story, God will often send people to ask you about it. This is the most interesting thing. Whenever I teach this segment of the class, people come back and say, you know, it's, it's amazing. I have been a Christian for 20 years, and I've never had anybody ask me about Christianity. But in the last week, since I learned to tell my story, I had somebody come up and ask me, what's that Jesus thing that you're into? And so I believe that God doesn't send people to explain our faith until we're able to explain it in a way that's comfortable, that fits us, that helps them, and that is reasonable in length. So experience shows when you're prepared to tell your story, God will often send people to ask you about it. Now I'm going to show you a clip uh, of Nelson Old, the lead pastor at Pump, who went through this training course last spring. And when he learned to tell his story of faith, God started to open up doors all around him. And I'll let him tell you in his own words. You know, sometimes people think that pastors have really learned to share their faith in, in seminary, but that wasn't the case for me. And after taking the witness training course, I became um, really more comfortable sharing my own faith and the gospel story. So a couple of weeks ago, Lisa and I were at a neighborhood party. It had been about two weeks since I'd finished the witness training course. And 
I had three opportunities to share my faith story that night. The first, a girl from the neighborhood came up and we were in the kitchen and she said, you know, Nelson, I know you called about uh, sharing something with me because I had called her and said I wanted to, uh, I was taking a course and I wanted to share uh, with her something that I was learning in that course. And she said, what was it you wanted to share again? And so I just practiced sharing the gospel with her and uh, my faith story, how I'd been performance, growing up in a performance-driven home and how I'd learned that Christ had really performed for me and that had been just a freedom I'd never experienced before and I'd come to faith. And then just 15 minutes later in that same party, I was in the den and there was a guy there. Uh, he knew that I was a pastor, but we never had any conversation about faith, not a church-going guy. And so at one more moment, he just looks at me and he says, so what's your gig? And I knew he was asking about faith. And so I just took a few moments then and I shared uh, why it was that I had put my trust in Jesus. And then a little later the same evening, I was back in the kitchen and there was another guy and he happened to be uh, the son of a pastor but he's about my age and he doesn't go to church and hadn't been to church in a long time. He said he'd given up on that. And he said, he was kind of testing me, I think, and he said, so do you ever get angry? And I think I read into it that he was asking the deeper question, what difference does God make in your life? And so there I began to share with him how I understood that um, in my weakness, Christ became my strength and uh, that I really had the freedom now uh, to uh, not be condemned in my sin and my weakness. And that when I got angry, um, that was something that Christ had borne on the cross for me. And so that was yet a third conversation that I had at that party. And it just reminded me that when we get a little bit more comfortable with sharing our faith story or the gospel story, God makes opportunities for us to share. So let's start with a little background about how this conversation usually begins. In the process of learning to be a witness, we teach people how to build friendships that are safe places for pre-Christians to talk about their spiritual issues. So in the context of a relationship and a friendship, and, and let me say this, by the way, witnessing is about sharing with those who are already part of your circle of influence. This is not going down to Kroger's on Saturday morning and standing in front of the, the grocery store handing out tracts. This is not knocking on doors in your neighborhood and cold calling on people and asking them if they want to accept Jesus. This is about sharing with people you already know and people who already know you. So when we're building this relationship, I'm often asked, when should I start a spiritual conversation with a friend? And the answer is, when there is trust in the relationship. How do I know if there's trust in the relationship? Very good question. Dr. Gary Smalley has done a lot of work in this area and he says, the, the kind of conversation that you're having with your friend indicates how much trust there is. Smalley says there are five levels of communication. The first is cliche. Hey, it's really nice to see the sun again, isn't it? You know, nobody's going to get into an argument talking about the weather. And that's why we so often do that. 
it's a safe way to start a conversation with someone you don't have much experience with. The second level, Smalley says, is facts. So this is where I might say, you know, I went to Alaska last summer to fly fish for salmon. It's a fact. And again, it's hard to argue with. Uh, you, might, you learn more about me. I'm being more revealing and sharing that fact. But it isn't very risky. This is one reason why men love sports. Sports are full of statistics and facts. And you can talk about sports all day long and never get out of level two conversation where you're talking about facts. So it's very, very safe. The third level is opinion. Now, perhaps you remember when George Bush Sr., the first President Bush, at one point in his presidency, he said, I don't like broccoli. Oh, there was this enormous firestorm of controversy. People were outraged. Now, President Bush didn't say, kids, don't eat your vegetables. And he didn't say, I hate the broccoli growers of America. All he said was, you know, when it comes to my house and my dinner table and my plate, I'd prefer you didn't put any of that green crunchy stuff on it because I really don't like it. Sharing opinions takes more trust. Smalley says that many marriages never get past these three levels of conversation. Cliché, fact, and opinion. But he says there's two more. Level four is where I share what I'm feeling. This is when I say to my friend, you know, I'm petrified. I'm going to lose my job. My wife will leave me, and I'll never see my kids again. That's how I feel. And I have to share that with you. You can't tell that by looking at me from the outside. I have to volunteer it into our relationship. The fifth level is where I ask you what you need from me in our relationship. This is where I would ask Marty, Hun, what could I do for you that would make our marriage more like a 10 for you? So I'm asking what you need. That's level five. And Smalley says when you get to level four and level five, you have trust in your relationship and you can have spiritual conversations. What's the difference between a testimony and your story of faith? Well, they're actually closely related, but there are some differences. A testimony is often a short story that tells how you came from not knowing God to making a commitment to Jesus. It tends to be historical. You know, you're 60 years old now when you were 25, you were a businessman, you're living in a city far away, and this is how God eventually got into your life and introduced you to Jesus. Those raised in the church often have a hard time identifying an exact time and place where they trusted God. You know, I've heard many pastors and speakers, Christian speakers say, you should write the date and time and place that you came to Christ on the front flyleaf of your Bible. July 17th, 1967 on 23rd Street in Ocean City, New Jersey. Write that on the flyleaf of your Bible so you never forget. But you know, many believers aren't really sure when they came to faith. Dave Morgan, who helped me start this ministry, is a third-generation pastor. So he was raised in a Christian home. His father was a pastor of a big evangelical church. 
It's not really clear to him exactly when did he finally commit his heart to Jesus and trust him. And oftentimes, I've heard testimonies focus on when somebody came to church or started coming to church rather than about their relationship with Jesus. A faith story is a little bit different. It's a short story sharing what difference knowing Jesus makes in your life. It describes the benefits of having a relationship with God through Jesus. It tends to be more contemporary than historical. So depending on what age and stage you are at life and what are the issues that you're struggling with, your story will change over time. I've heard people give testimonies uh, 88 years old, and they came to Christ in a Southern Baptist church in a little bitty town in Southern Georgia when they were 18 years old, and they tell this wonderful story about how they came to faith at the age of 18. And you think to yourself, gee, if this guy is 88, I wonder if God has done anything in his life over the last 70 years. So that's why, rather than being historical, we want our story of faith to focus on contemporary issues. This is more current events than history. So what is happening in your life? Where are the areas where God is ministering to you and helping you? Uh, and, and this often really helps relate our current needs to needs that your listener may have. If you're struggling with fear or anxiety or you're worried about your parents who are aging and you're not sure how to help them or you have teenagers, you're all sharing these same kinds of pains of the human experience. And so if God is helping you cope with these then you can share in your story about that with your friend who may be having the same kinds of issues in their life. The Bible is full of stories of faith. And, and again, that's one of the examples that helps us understand the power of the story. King David said, come and listen, and I will tell you what God has done for me, Psalm 66. Peter and John said, we cannot stop telling about the wonderful things that we have seen and heard, Acts 4. And in John 9, Jesus heals a man who has been blind since birth. He heals the man, gives him sight. The man is taken before the Sanhedrin, and he's grilled. And finally, he gives his story. He says, I don't know whether he is good or bad, but I know this, I was blind and now I see. When we begin to craft our story, it's helpful to remember that witness is actually a term that's used in the legal system here in the United States and in other English-speaking countries. A witness in a court can only share their own personal experience. You can't give secondhand evidence. You can't give hearsay evidence. They only want to hear what you personally have heard, seen, felt, touched. And this is really appropriate because the same thing is true of your story of faith. It's not about doctrine. You're not proving that the Bible's true. It's not about apologetics. It's not about theology. It's your own personal experience of faith. And you want to be able to do this in five minutes or less. Now, your story is significant. And there are several reasons why that's true. It's your own personal experience. It's very hard to argue with. You're not debating, is the Bible true? You're not debating your God versus another God. You're talking about your own experience. I have a friend who 
owned our favorite rent restaurant in New Hampshire. And Marty and I would go there a lot and take friends there and take clients there. And we got to know this woman pretty well. She was about 50. And before I left New Hampshire, I had the chance to tell her my story. Well, she wrote to me two years later, and she told me what had happened since then. She said, you know, when I heard your story, I thought, I'd really like to have faith like that, but I don't think I can believe in a God I can't see. Well, the backstory was she was raised in Washington, D.C. Her dad was a lawyer for the State Department, and they were churchgoers. Her dad died of a heart attack when she was 16, and her mother blamed God, so they stopped going to church. And she said, by the time I went to college, I was an agnostic. So about 18 months after I got the chance to share my story with her, she got up one morning and went out to get in her car to go to work, opened the door of her Volkswagen, got in, and there was somebody sitting in the passenger seat. It was Jesus. She said, I knew right away it was Jesus. I had no idea what to do. Should I take him to Dunkin' Donuts, buy him a medium coffee and a crumb cake muffin? I mean, what is the protocol here? They drove to work. They had a wonderful conversation. She got up. She went into work. She came back out that night. Nobody in the car. Drove home. Got up the next morning. Went out to the car. Jesus was in the front seat again. Had a nice conversation. Went to work. Came back out that night. No Jesus. Never happened again. Six months later, she was diagnosed with cancer. And she said, I knew I did not have the strength to deal with this on my own, but I knew where I could turn for help. Because now I knew that Jesus was real. He had ridden around in the front seat of my car for two days. That's Lynn's story. Now, when she shares that with her friends, you know, these are very sophisticated, worldly, intelligent, well-educated people. Nobody doubts it. It's her story. So your story is powerful simply because it's yours. Second of all, our friends are interested. Remember, we talked about the fact that we're ministering to those people we already know. These are friends. These are people who are in our circle of influence. These are our nine or ten pre-Christian friends who know us well already. And so we're not sharing our story with a stranger. These are people who know us, who like us, who are interested. I mean, think about it. If they're willing to listen to your, your stories and see all your slides and pictures of your, your uh, two-week tour of vineyards in France this past summer, why wouldn't they listen to your story of faith? It's interesting to them. And often they can relate to it. If you're a mom with teenage kids, you probably know other moms with teenage kids, and you're having the same kinds of pains and anxieties. So our friends can relate to the things that they hear in our story. Now, when we share our story, the best thing that we can be is to be ourselves. We're imperfect people. Our Christian life is never together enough. But that's important, because I think many times Christians put on a facade of having arrived, and so our non-Christian friends think, oh, I get it. As soon as I get my life cleaned up, then I can go to church and find out about God. So they don't ever get there. So by being yourself, by being honest, you know, we're admitting the fact that we're broken, hurting people. We have problems. We have issues. But we have hope because we have Jesus in our life. And that's what our friends really need to hear about. It's not that we as Christians have arrived, but that Jesus has taken a hold of our lives and he's taking it in a better direction. 
Now, your story of faith doesn't have to be dramatic. A lot of people think, oh, yeah, testimony has to be dramatic. I heard a guy give this testimony in New York City when I worked there. He was an alcoholic. He was living on the Lower East Side near the Bowery Mission. He had ruined his life. He, uh, he was so drunk one night, he fell into a trash can. And when he woke up in the morning, there was a Bible laying by his hand. He picked it up. He read the Bible. He came to faith. God cleaned up his life. And now he's the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. That's what we think a testimony is supposed to sound like. But it doesn't have to be. In fact, there are very, very few people who can you know, actually relate to that kind of experience. What's important in your story of faith is this. What difference does being a Christian make in your life? What is Jesus doing for you today? So I want to introduce you to a process that will help you lay out your personal story of faith. Now, the story that I'm going to share is from my friend Molly, who lives in Boston, and she's a soccer mom. And you know what? There's a lot more soccer moms in America than alcoholics who fell into a trash can and got converted and became the CEO of a big company. There's a lot of people who can relate to the testimony of the story of a soccer mom. The first thing she does is she talks about what her life was like before she met Christ. She, was, she came to Christ when she was about 32. She had been raised unchurched. She was married. She had three kids. Her husband worked all the time. She was a stay-at-home mom. She said, my life was focused on the kids, but I felt very much alone. I was afraid of death. I was disappointed with God. I was disappointed with my husband. I was disappointed with my kids. And, and I kept looking for answers. Um, she kept having this compulsive thought that somehow I'm responsible for straightening all this out. And I have to find a way to make my marriage perfect and my children perfect and my family perfect. And so when she kept feeling this need, she, she tried other things. She tried self-help books. She tried different religions. Nothing worked. Finally, in desperation, she cried out to God and asked him to forgive her and to come into her life. And that's how she met Jesus. The difference that Christ has made in her life, she says, you know, now I have answers to a lot of my questions. I feel much more competent as a mom, uh, raising my children, as a wife. I look forward to eternity instead of fearing death. We have a Christ-centered marriage and a Christ-centered family. And we have the ultimate marriage and family counselor living with us, Jesus. So that's her story. And you conclude by asking can you relate to any of this? And you always conclude with that question. Now, there are other templates for designing or crafting your story. And if you look in Belly in chapter 11, uh, there are more things in there and more illustrations of different ways, a lot of different ways to tell your story. Frankly, everyone's story is different. I mean, God has made every person unique, so it shouldn't be surprising that your story of faith is different. I heard one a few years ago that I just, I was blown away by, and I'll share this with you. It's in my book, Exploring God Without Getting Religious, which is written for secular people who are asking spiritual questions. This was a pastor's conference and church leaders that was held at the Crystal Cathedral, Robert Schuler's church out in Southern California. So I was out there, and on Monday evening, he brought in people who had come to Christ in the church's ministry the day before, the Sunday before. And there were about 50 of them. But, 
But I never forgot what one man said. He, he looked very normal, very clean cut. He was in his 30s, well-dressed, nice guy. He gets up and he starts to talk about his life and how every decision he made was wrong and the negative consequences that came from that. He talked about sliding downhill from a promising start into a nightmare of relational and moral failures, substance abuse, personal failures, pain. The previous Saturday, he'd gone out on a bender. Sunday morning, he woke up and he found he had passed out in the living room of his apartment. Turning on the TV, he saw a service from Crystal Cathedral. So on an impulse, he got in his car and he drove to the church. He met some people there who started a conversation with him. Eventually, they introduced him to Jesus. That would be the spiritual gift of evangelism. 48 hours later, he stood in the midst of this group and he said, I don't know what's happened to my life, but I do know I've been radically changed. I came into this place yesterday morning and I was a loser. Now I know Jesus and I'm a winner. And he sat down. I was stunned. I have never heard such minimalist theology. I can assure you, they don't teach this at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. I was a loser, and now I'm a winner. That's his story, and he's sticking to it. Well, <laughs> you know, as much as I thought, thought the, uh, the, the, the theology was a little light, um, it was obvious that this was a guy who had been filled with the spirit of the living God. He was transformed. He glowed with God's presence. There was no doubt that even though he couldn't explain what had happened, God had done a work in his life and the man would never be the same. So everyone's story is different, it's unique. It fits you, it fits your circumstances, it fits who you are, it fits your friends. When you craft your story, here are some things that you should avoid. First of all, don't try and explain theology. That's not your job. It's not apologetics, it's not a doctrine course. It's your personal experience. And don't feel like you need to have all the answers. You know, you're just one person with one set of experiences. Avoid Christian lingo, jargon, buzzwords. I remember when I first was introduced to the church and the church culture, and people were always talking about, you know, covered by the blood and Ebenezer's and all, and I had no idea what they were talking about. It was like, use normal language, because you're going to be talking to normal people. Be honest. It doesn't have to be dramatic. Just be who you are. On the positive side, keep it fresh, keep it current, be real. Make it relevant to your listener. You know, last week we talked about how you can discern needs in your friend's life. If there are places that your story can touch on their needs, it will make it a lot more powerful in terms of communicating the gospel. So if your friend shares a lot about um, her oldest daughter has this problem with wanting to be perfect, and she has a problem with wanting to be perfect, and she struggles with fear of failure and fear of not having the right answer. And so then you can talk about how Jesus maybe has helped you with things like that in your life. Make it easy to understand and do it in five minutes or less. Years ago, I was teaching a course, and I had a guy in there who was about 72. And he, he was a he had worked for Bethlehem Steel all his life. He was an engineer. He had gone up in management. He ran the Sparrows Point shipyard in Baltimore, which is a huge operation. At the height of his career, he was retired, and he came to faith when he was like 71. And he was just glowing with God. You could just see God. And so he took this course, and he was so excited about this. So 
he hired this young guy to re-roof his garage and he spent the whole day out there and he's taking him glasses of lemonade and iced tea and talking to him and finally he gets his opportunity and he's going to share his story of faith. So Loring lets go. 90 minutes later, he's still going on with this story of faith. And the builder says, hey, I really appreciate what you're saying, but you know, my wife's got dinner on the table and my kids are waiting. I've got to go. Hops in his truck and drives off. We have to learn to tell our story of faith in five minutes or less. It's really the only way that it'll be a really effective tool. And when we're telling our story, don't forget to pray. You know, Paul talks about praying continuously. Well, this is one of those times when you should be praying continuously. Pray for God to speak into your friend's heart and mind. Pray for God to give you wisdom and discernment to know when to speak. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you words to speak to your friend. Now, after you've shared your story, ask follow-up questions. Does this make any sense to you? May I explain more? How do you feel about this? Would you like to know more? And these are great questions because these will draw your friends out. Um, I'd love to share my story with business friends. So I'm often at breakfast or lunch with a business colleague or a client or someone I know through business. And I'll say, hey, Jack, I'm in this course at church and I'm supposed to learn to tell my story of faith in five minutes or less. Can I practice on you? <laughs> they always say, yes, sure, no problem. And uh, so I share my story of faith. And I'm convinced about three out of four times they say, that is fascinating. Let me tell you my story of faith. I had no idea they had a story of faith. I didn't know people who didn't know God, didn't, that they had a story of faith, but they do. My friend Stu, who was a business client, I remembered when I shared with him, he said, I grew up in a home, we went to church Christmas and Easter. We were priesters. I didn't know anything about church or God. But when I was in college, I had this one professor who I really clicked with, and there was something about him, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And when I graduated, this professor said to me, Stu, when you go out in the world, I want you to look for people with their antennas up. I had no idea what that meant. What was I supposed to be looking for? But he was intrigued. And this was a guy who was starting to search. And he described his first job, job was working for the Chubb Life Insurance Company in New York. And he lived in some <coughs> suburb, suburb of Hoboken. And uh, he had this running route. And he would run on this route. And he would pass this church every day. And one day he went in and asked if he could talk to a pastor. Because he just had all these nagging spiritual questions. Well, they said, no, you have to make an appointment and come back. He said, I would go to church every once in a while. Maybe a couple of years I'd try a church out. And I'd go into this church. People are getting up and down, and they're reading from things and chanting things and saying things. I have no idea what's going on. I'm looking for the guy who has the sign that says, questions answered here, except there's nobody with that sign. And as soon as church is over, everybody jumps in their car and tears out of the parking lot, and nobody will talk to you. So he talked about all these different ways. For 20 years, he was trying to find God. And so when you share your story of faith, be open to the fact that your friend may share their story of faith with you. And, and it could be a real eye-opener. Now, we are going to give you a handout that will help you craft your story of faith. And in it, it will talk about 
where you were spiritually before receiving Christ. It will talk about what are the needs in your life that you feel like God has really addressed through your faith. What finally convinced you to try God to meet those needs? And then specifically, what benefits do you see in your life today and how's that affecting your life as you walk through each day? So we're going to give you this, this worksheet to help you prepare your story. Over the next 30 minutes, we want you to go off on your own and work on your story of faith. You need to write it down. It's very important to get it in writing and then get it down to five minutes or less. You're trying to answer the question, what difference does knowing Jesus make in your life? And then after that, we want you to share in groups of three. And we want you to take this home and we want you to practice this. Practice this with Christian friends and then practice it with non-Christian friends. What you'll find is as you practice this and you get comfortable with it, God will start to give you opportunities to share with other people. And you'll feel very relaxed about it because you'll know how to tell your story. It doesn't usually take five minutes.